So Colorado is one of the only places in the world where both buffaloes and cows can coexist. And there's a fantastic lesson that can be learned by how each of these creatures responds to storms. So when the storms come over the Rockies, they almost always brew from the west and roll towards the east. And both the animals can sense the storm coming, but cows, when they sense the storm coming, they begin to run east, a wit to try to run away from the storm. And the only problem is, is that if you know anything about cows, you know that they're not very fast. So the storm catches up to them rather quickly. And without knowing any better, the cows continue to try and outrun the storm. But instead of outrunning it, they run with it, ultimately maximizing the amount of time, pain, and frustration that they experience from the storm. And it's been my experience that as humans, we do the same thing, right? We spend so much of our lives trying to avoid the inevitable trials and tragedies and trauma and transitions that come along with difficult circumstances. But buffaloes are do something completely different that's quite unique to the whole animal kingdom. Buffaloes actually wait for the storm to cross over the crest of the mountain. And as the storm rolls over the ridge, they turn, they charge directly into the storm. They run at the storm. And by running at the storm, they run right through it, minimizing the amount of time, pain, and frustration they experience from that storm. But notice that it's the same storm, right? And I just think that it's just a really great metaphor for all of us, because although we're in different places in life, we all have storms. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. So today, if you saw the title and you were curious and clicked on it, it's not a sad episode. Although we talk about grief and it's transforming grief, it is powerful. It's transformative. It's aligning. My guest today, Phil Cohen, I mean, it's, look, you'll hear me just holding back. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm containing emotion, right, throughout this whole episode because there is a very touching, um, tragic story that Phil tells. What we're really learning in this episode, and I want you to really be focused on, is what do the storms of our lives give us? What can we get from them? How do they change us? How do they shift us? How do they show us to the new path or the path we're supposed to be on? So really what Phil's talking about today is that through this tragedy, he found his purpose in life. And it's pretty spectacular to hear his story about that. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, when he, you heard the intro clip, we're going to talk about his his professional identity, and, and, and I know a lot of you can associate with that, and we're going to talk about what happened, and we're going to talk about a lot of the things he used to move through it. Um, it's just a really special episode. It, it's, it was, it's, just, it's really heartfelt. There's a lot of gold nuggets in it. There's a lot of power in it. And one of you, maybe two, one of you is meant to hear this today because you're going through something really tough in your life, and you're trying to tough it out. And you're trying to, you know, and you're, you're dealing with the why me or the why does this have to happen or why am I so sad or whatever. Phil's going to give you a lot of answers to that. And I believe from talking to him that his mission is to help people understand their purpose and their mission in life um, through tragedy. That's pretty freaking cool. That's really cool. And so I was honored to have him on. 
I was a little worried about in the beginning when um, when he, he he somebody sent me his info and, and copied him in, and I I saw the the stuff that he had gone through, and I thought, man, I, I'm not sure if I can actually hold an interview without being highly emotional. Just connect, I, you know, I like to connect to the guests, and so um, you know, energetically, and 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 I worried about it, and I and I, I wrote to him, and I said, I'm, I'm this is what I'm a little concerned with, and I and I. I, I'm being selfish right now, and, and only in terms of me as a host. I think that your story is really special, and I think it's going to help a lot of people and give them some some uh, direction. So we talked about it, and, and we decided to do it. So look, you just never know when the universe is going to deliver things that you're supposed to know, supposed to hear, supposed to see, supposed to experience. What you do with it is up to you, and it's our choice at every moment to either choose the serving path or the non-serving path. It's your call. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, make sure that you are liking and subscribing to the podcast. Give us a review if you can. Make sure some comment on whatever your favorite part was. And um, you know, make sure you go to uh, the Quitters Club on Facebook. That's our new group. It was the Mental Purpose Community. Now it is uh, the Quitters Club. You'll see it. Lots of people in there. Lots of cool stuff in there. We've got courses. We've got um, you name it. We've got courses, masterminds, private one-on-one VIP coaching. We've got small group coaching. We've got all kinds of stuff, five products in there. We've got a lot of free stuff, a lot of free assessments, a lot of free exercises. So look, I don't want to take too much time up here. Get into this episode. It's really, it's fire. It's so good. It's so good. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. All right, Phil, get right into it, man. This is, this is, this is really important stuff. So right what you were telling me before I hit record, Start that. Yeah. I'm Phil Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. I was just mentioning to you in that, you know, we were having this prior conversation prior to hopping on this back conversation about my prior professional identity. And really for my whole life, I would say that I would identify myself as Phil Cohen, VP of sales. You know, I run sales teams for technology companies and that's what I've done. Mostly SaaS based technology companies. That's what I've done my entire career. That's what I'm really good at. That's what I've excelled at. Um, but, you know, God put in my heart, you know, about a couple of years ago that I want you to do something bigger. I want you to do something better with your life. And, um, you know, with part of my story that I know we're going to get into, um, you know, people were starting to ask me, like, how are you, how are you even walking around right now? Like, how are you, how are you functioning in your life after what you've been through? And, you know, I, I would just explain to them. This is, this is how, this is what I did. Here's the steps that I've taken to get from where I was, which was the deepest levels of despair to, to a thriving life and, and a growing business. And, and I found that I'm just good at helping people, you know? And so now um, I, I really don't have, you know, a, a specific thing that I'm going to sell at the end of this podcast. I haven't, I'm in the process of writing a book, but it's not there yet. You know, I don't have a course and um, anything like that. My message really here is just to totally, you know, to help maybe inspire people to get people out of maybe where they might be stuck in some sort of trauma, tragedy, or major transition to a place where they really want to be. Yeah. I, I'm going to isolate that and make it the intro clip because I, I think that was so well said. Look, at the end of the day, I, I know people's agendas when they, I've been doing this long enough. I know, I know an agenda. I think your agenda needs to be to share your story because your story has so much power. If you were selling a course or something and you didn't tell people your story, they'd be missing the whole 
context around your course or your book or whatever it is. And so I, I think that the, the most powerful thing you're going to do today is share your story and, and other people who are listening are going to go, Hey, man, if, if that guy went through that, I can get through the shit that I'm going through. For sure. And that sounds, that sounds incredible. Like how did he do it? So we're going to walk through that too, for the audiences. Okay. You have this life and this identity, you know, pre incident and then post incident, you had like a rebirth almost to where you said, no, this isn't it. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing on the planet. Yeah. And dude, there's so many people, especially men that we talk to men that come through our coaching businesses and women too, by the way, who are so locked into their professional identity that during COVID when it was taken from them or when they didn't get up at 6am and go to the gym and then go to the office and they actually had to face their children and their <laughs> wife for like, you know, 10 hours a day and they couldn't escape. Some of them, like they, they went crazy. They, they were, they were, it was almost like, um, it's like fighting an addiction. It's like, like getting off of a, a drug. That's like that dopamine hit of, you know, I get to see my, I, I say my family's super, super important as long as I only see them for an hour and a half a day. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, and that's, that was a harsh reality for a lot of people. I think it was a beautiful reality because they got to actually see that their job isn't that important. Right. Like what you think you're important doing, like when it gets taken from you, it's not that important because your life still has to go on. You still have to figure things out. And totally. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a great thing. So well, let's get into your story. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, ask you questions if I can. Yeah. And, and just like, let, let, like, let's just let the audience hear your backstory and then let's talk about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share. I'm an open book. Please feel free to ask me any questions that you like. And, uh, you know, like I said, my, my main purpose for coming on the podcast is to hope, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but, uh, to really just help if, even if one person out there is like, man, like, gosh, you know, like, if that guy went through that, I can definitely get through what I'm going through. That that's really what my goal here is today is to just help yeah. maybe inspire other people. Yeah. We're focusing on the one I, I had a, not a podcast coach just a mentor of mine said, you know, um, th this podcast I used to host was like 150,000 downloads a month. It was huge. Um, and he said, don't focus on 150,000 people that are going to listen. Focus on the one person that needs to hear this message today. Yes. And that's what we're focusing on. And it's probably, it's probably you. And when I say you, it's the you that just perked up in your car when I said you. Yeah. And it's and that you're supposed to hear this. So stop what you're doing. Get a pen and paper. You know, put you put you stop working out for a second and just listen up because this is supposed to be in your ears today. It's just the way the universe works. Love that. Yeah. I told you before. I, I really don't go after any guests. I, I just made a commitment that the universe will deliver me the guests that are supposed to be on here for the audience and what they're supposed to hear or want to hear. Uh, there's a couple people that I, I really want to know their story. Uh, other than that, like 95% is universal driven. So awesome. you're here, man. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. So, uh, yeah, give us, give us your backstory and then work yourself up to the the previous you and then what happened to you and then the, and then what happened after that. And I'd also like to get some of the, the tactical items of like how the hell like, I know I'm going to ask you like, how the hell did you work through this? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, born and raised in New York, um, just outside of Manhattan, about a half an hour out of the city. Um, the youngest of three boys. Then I think like many of the babies of the family, I was, uh, 
definitely a bit of a wild child as a kid. Got myself into, you know, I remember like 16, 17, 18, I had like hair down to here. I'm kind of hitting my belly button with my hands right now. I was into Metallica, Iron Maiden. I was just, you know, I just thought I was like a badass. I wasn't, you know, I, I think back about like, the guy that I was, I'm like, who was that guy? Like, cause that's so right. not the man that I, I am now and that I want to become. Um, but that's who I was in that day. Um, so I didn't go to school. Um, I didn't really, you know, have a major, I didn't know what I wanted to study, you know? Um, yeah. and my parents didn't really drive me to the importance of a college education and how, what that might mean. I think, you know, if I had the chance to do it all again, I'd probably go to something like Wharton Business School just because I've met several people that have been through that school. And you go to a school like that, like they they teach you stuff that they don't teach you anywhere else, you know, yeah, about yeah. how to grow scale and grow a business. But um, just because I love business. So um, I started, uh, my best friend and I started an entertainment company when I was like 17 years old. We did like weddings, bar mitzvahs, sweet 16s, things like that. Um, that did that for, for several years. And until you, know, you realize when you start a business with somebody, it's very much like getting into a marriage with them. Um, that started to hurt our friendship a little bit. So we both kind of, I sold, you know, he bought out my end of the business. We're still best friends to this day. And I started to get into, um, into software sales. And that's what I did my whole life was, was selling software. Um, and as I was mentioning earlier, that's, was my whole prior identity is, you know, I'm a sales guy. I started out as an individual contributor, grew to manager, um, then 2008, 2009 came and when the economy crashed, you know, and I was actually selling CRM software to automotive dealers and everything crashed, as you might remember, in 2000, 2000 sure. 2008, 2009. Uh, but the automotive industry took a really big hit. You know, I think yep. car dealers, you know, I think GM was scared. They almost went out of business. Uh, car dealers were literally super fearful that they were going to lose their brick and mortar build buildings to the internet. Um, yeah. now they are, but they really, they, they really, it is going in that direction, but, um, but they were really super fearful, fearful of that back then. So I got laid off and, uh, I had no idea what I was supposed to do or what I should be doing, or at least anything where I could be making the amount of money that I was making selling software. Right. So, you know, I looked around and, uh, I've always been really super entrepreneurial. You know, just I've always thought I should own my own business. And even as, you know, as an employee, I've been really entrepreneurial. I started like businesses within businesses and things like that. So I looked around the, the automotive space and I realized, do you know when you drive by a car dealership, even today, like if you look on the windshield, you see like those black and yellow numbers that say like the price of the car or it yeah. says great deal yeah. or, you know, so yeah. I'm like, that's like the one thing that hasn't changed in the automotive space in like 60 years. <laughs> like they still, yeah. yeah, even at like Mercedes dealers and, you know, really high end dealers, they still use those black and yellow stickers. So I was like, I have an idea, a way to make this better. So I came up with this cool way of a sticker that you know you can move from car to car it looked much better than those black and yellow stickers um uh and started started my own business i started doing like signs and banners and that morphed into vehicle wraps and boat wraps and and i was yeah i loved it i loved the whole thing i was i was doing what i wanted to do in terms of growing a business you know um but after about seven years of that i realized that i didn't really like any of it you know, I was, you know, I'm completely colorblind. So 
I really had no business at all making a living as a graphic designer. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't tell, like I was, I was using orange palm trees and, you know, people had to tell me like, dude, like that's not the right color, you know? Um, and then like the whole printing process, like the preparation of getting it ready to go on a car. Like I didn't really like that part either. And then like the actual installation, like sitting down low every day, like on a stool, like doing like the, the squeegeeing of a stickers, yeah. you know, and the wraps onto cars started to hurt my back. I'm like, I don't really like any part of what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I just really like the, the I love the fact that like, I started a business, I grew it, it was making more and more yeah. money. I started hiring employees, you know, I'm like that was the part that I really liked. So to anybody out there, if you're thinking about starting a business, I would definitely say, think about the things, the actual physical things that you will be doing every single day and decide if you like those things because, or go work for somebody that's doing, that, that has that business and decide if this is really for you because that's you good could, advice, man. Yeah. You know, I figured I don't want to do this anymore. I, I kind of came like, I, this is really tough for me. And I started listening to podcasts back in 2014, 15, when nobody really even knew like what a podcast was, yeah. you know, it was, it was very early. just getting started. And there's a guy named John Lee Dumas. I don't know if you know JLD. Yep. yep. So Entrepreneur on, uh, Entrepreneur on Fire. And I loved it because he was interviewing people that were like just on the brink of becoming big. And you would ask them, you know, what kept you from becoming an entrepreneur? And, you know, if you had one book to recommend, what would it be? And, um, there was a guy that came on his podcast named Josh Ship, and Josh Ship was making a living speaking at schools, inspiring kids because of the things that he had been through. And I'm like, man, you can make a living speaking at schools? Like, that's cool, you know? And then just like the whole podcast thing was, you know, really became something I really wanted to do. So my brother, you've heard of Tony Robbins. Yeah. yeah. So my brother, my oldest brother, has worked for Tony for 16 years. He runs all of all all of his product sales and coaching sales. Yeah, he is super super funny, off the cuff. He's a sales guy. My whole family is sales family, and I'm like, bro, we need to start a podcast. You know, I was like, we this is this is going to be a big industry. We should start a podcast on sales. You know, because I'm much more, um, I'm much more detail oriented, you know, and thinking things through. He's very off the cuff. In fact, he said, fine, let's, let's do it. But you, you take charge of the whole thing. I just want to sit down and talk, you know, like he didn't yep. want any part of the that. whole production. That. <laughs> and that's what, where his strong suit was, is, you know, it's just that he's really, he would have been really good at that. So, um, I sold my sign business to, to pursue, pursue this. And I flew out to California and was going to stay there temporarily to, to start this up with my brother. I had been there for a couple of months and that's when my life changed that there would literally be on July 24th, 2015. There's my life was completely split in half. There was the old Phil and the new Phil. So on July 24th, uh, 2015, I got a call from my ex-wife and we had been divorced for um, uh, probably a good nine years at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she said, Phil, Perry is missing. Perry is our 14-year-old son. Hmm. The Coast Guard is looking for him. I have to, I had to let you know. I don't want to go into the whole 
yeah. that whole communication of, because it was like, well, what do you mean he's missing? Right. So, so on July 24th, 2015, my 14 year old son and his close friend were last seen leaving the Jupiter inlet. The Jupiter inlet is a, a waterway that goes from, from a river just on the inside, the intracoastal, if you know, Florida to the yeah. Atlantic ocean. Uh, they were last seen on a 19 foot fishing boat. Um, there was a really bad storm. And if you know South Florida, if you've ever lived on the coast, especially in South Florida, there's these crazy storms that just pop out of nowhere. You know, they'll be they'll yeah. whip for like, you know, 10 minutes and then it's beautiful and sunny again, you know, especially yeah. that time of year. Um, so one of those came out of nowhere, um, carrying heavy rains and winds of 40 miles an hour after several attempts to reach the boys via their cell phones, unsuccessful attempts to reach their cell phones. Uh, the Coast Guard was notified. And I haven't confirmed this, but I've been told that it turned out to be the largest search in the history of the United States Coast Guard in terms of, oh. in terms of square miles searched um, and, wow. and, um, and um, what's the word, assets used. Because this was, yeah. this was not only the Coast Guard, it was the Navy, the FBI. Uh, there was a week-long search for the boys. We searched for seven days. And if you've, if mm -hmm. you've lived on the coast, uh, now I currently live in San Diego, uh, if you lived on any coast, people go missing all the time. I mean, like paddle boarders yep. or, you know, fishermen, the Coast Guard maybe looks for like a half a day, maybe a day, right. but right. never a week, you know? Um, so this what, was, what was it? I, now I'm curious, like what, what made them look for that long, like to, to be a record? Search? Well, um, a, a couple of things. One, it took, it took, took a couple of days to actually find the boat. So, oh. so we didn't know if they were still on the boat, you know, and if they were on the boat, we figured they'd be okay. Or maybe yeah. on top of the boat, if it capsized or around the boat, you know, because one, sure. one of the key things is that if your boat capsizes, you stay near the boat, like that's a, you right. know, or on the boat. So this was on a Friday when, when they initially went missing, the boat was found late Sunday and all of this stuff was on national news for a week. It's all on social media. If you Google it, like you'll you could see the Coast Guard guys like diving into the water and stuff. So they they found it by helicopter and they sent a, they sent a Coast Guard guy into the water, and he looked under the boat and around the boat, and the kids were not there. So uh, from that point, you know, we knew that they had a cooler with them, like a larger sized Yeti cooler. So there was like, you know, will to survive and, you know, these, that yeah. they've been on the ocean before. And I had a lot of people on my side. Like my, my whole goal was to keep the Coast Guard looking because I knew once they stopped, that was it. Like that, that was yeah. it. Um, so, so that was the, the main reasons. And I had some, you know, some friends in high places that was also helpful, you know, at that time that, um, that had some political polls, you know, that talk to people. Um, I heard all these stories later, you know, at the time I, my mind was just so like, you know, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even function, you know, going, sure. going through that whole thing, but other than trying to keep the coast guard, that was my main sole focus. I mean, I had to have calls with Navy SEALs to talk about survivability rates, you know, and, and I learned some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, I, once you once once they knew that the boys were not on the boat, that means they were in the water. In if the water, they were yeah. still alive, they were still in the, they were in the water. And there's only a finite time that 
a person can survive in the water, what happens to your body and your mind and things like that. That's it. So um, then the the seventh, well, really it was the the sixth day I sat down with the, the admiral of the Coast Guard before he sat down with me and my family and said, Phil, listen, we're, tomorrow we're going to be holding a press conference to publicly announce that the search is being called off. And, you know, so he said, I'm really, really sorry. And uh, um, that he was going to be having that conference on the news the next day. And, uh, and that was it. You know, I, I'm Perry. Perry is, was my, my 14 year old son. He's my only child. Um, um, I had never, I've never really lost anybody prior to that. You know, I'd always consider myself blessed because my parents are still alive. My brothers are still alive. Um, I wasn't super close with my grandparents, you know, like I did have a relationship with my grandfather, but when he passed, I mean, I was sad, but it wasn't like this, you know, it wasn't like this. All of a sudden I've lost the most precious person in my life. Um, So, yeah, so that, that was, that just put me, put me down for the count. They called off the search and they didn't find them. Yeah. Neither of the boys were ever found. Yeah. Nothing. There was nothing found. I mean, there was um, eventually a a life vest floated up on the the coast of Georgia like a week or so later. They had dog sniffing, cadaver dog sniffing, and they did sense it. But there was no way to even tell 100% if it was theirs. Um, There's so much. There's so much to my story that. It would literally take me 10 hours, no joking, 10 hours to explain all the people, the places, like, you know, sure. why did this happen? Why and who and what? And I mean, and it's, it literally could be a book, you know, about the craziness around that story. Um, that's not really what we're here to talk about today, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was an intense, intense time for sure. So now like i'm i'm really curious because when when you're um when lisa recommended you to me um like i was telling you before the the first thing i thought was because i i let the universe guide who who like shows up in my inbox and granted there's a lot of people i look at their one sheet or i look at something and i go no i don't think that's a good fit and yours i was like all right universe okay i get it you know, that's going to be a tough one. However, what story does he have to tell? And that's what I was really fascinated by. Now I'm really curious to understand what were you doing for seven days and how do you keep yourself? Cause how do you keep yourself focused and sane? And what, what were your, um, what, what were your tactics? What, what was your daily activity? Like, I mean, how were you sleeping? Were you eating? I mean, I, I can, I can imagine there's like, it's franticness. Whereas, Actually, let me let me ask you a question that's is going to be very direct. Yeah. Do you did you ever wish that you just knew like that's a, 7 days is a very long period of time yeah. to 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 wonder my 14-year-old son is is out in the in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And whatever's going through your brain is, you know, you know, is he is he in danger? Is he hurt? Is he suffering? Is yes. he is he scared? Like it's one of the worst parts uh, of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and and so I really, I mean, I don't want to bum the audience out. I just, I, I think this is appropriate to to find out because we're not talking about we're talking about you as a human that has is going through this tragedy and what what your process was 
as you're going through this tragedy. And I think about that and I'm like, so here's the, here's the question. Do you think it would have been easier on you within context of, you know, this is your son. Would it have been easier on you if day one, they're like, Hey, uh, your son's missing. And we found two bodies. Like, would it have been easier for you to process instantly the grief and move forward with that? Or what, like, versus going through seven days of, of there's a glimmer of hope right. and you kind of want that in your brain, right? right? You want this, like, I think this is possible. They're going to find him. They're going to find yeah. him. And then you're almost torturing yourself during that whole time because then your other side of your brain goes, dude, they could, but you may want to start processing that they don't. Yeah. And, and all that didn't start happening till later, to be honest with you. Okay. So, I mean, okay. I, I, I mean, those seven days, it was literally like my brain was like, it, it wasn't like I can, I feel like I can help people. Like if you're ever in tragedy in those moments, here's how you can control your brain because I was a mess. I was, if it wasn't for my best friend, if it wasn't for my brothers and my family being there to help me, I don't know what I would have done. I, sure. They were integral parts of getting me through this because I could not think straight even having the you know the coast guard would come and we'd have these meetings these updates that they would have we had three of them where they would just come and sit down here's where we are here's what we're using here's all this stuff that we found um like i needed my family there because i like i was just literally like i just want to just find my son just find the find those sure. boys you know that was my sure. main focus so I, I i i definitely didn't do anything special within the seven days you know and even and even even afterwards i had no idea what i was supposed to do i mean where there is no there's no owner's or manual handbook. or yeah, yeah handbook right. right or survival right. guide if this thing's out here's the steps that you take to right. get through this you know we're not taught this in school or anything like that so i literally had no idea what i was supposed to do um, um, so in fact, you know, I, I did a Ted talk kind of talking about some of this, about what I went through and how I, how I got through this. Um, but you know, I actually Googled how to grieve because, and this is, you know, sometime later, you know, maybe, um, a year or a year and a half later, because like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I, I, like, am I doing this right? You know, like, you know, am I grieving sure. properly? Like, you know, and, and if you Google anything around grief, you find the five stages of grief. Like that's like the only yeah. like, you know, framework around grieving. And for me, I immediately felt this, this sense of pressure, like I was doing something wrong. And for, for your audience that may not know the five stages of grief, it's a framework that suggests that grief occurs in five stages and it goes from denial to anger to bargaining to depression to ultimately wind up at a place called acceptance. Now I experienced fear. I experienced revenge. There was none of these are, are talked about in the five stages. Right. So I'm like, Hmm. and, and I really, you know, I don't think I really went through denial, so to speak. Like, I don't know if that's just me. Like, this was what, this is what's happening. I didn't deny what was happening. Um, um, and I, I'm not sure that I went through the, I, I didn't go through those stages in that order. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this the right way. If I'm grieving the right way, am I just pushing this down? Am I not facing it the right sure. way? I want to make sure that like this comp doesn't come back to bite me, you know, years yeah. later. It's, 
So you know, it, it's it's interesting that you were that aware that you didn't want it to come back and bite you, yet you were you were so unaware of, or or you were, you know, I think in a normal situation when we worry about how we're processing something, I think we we worry about what other people are going to think about the way we're doing something. Yeah. Yet in a situation like this, it's not a I'm worried about what people are going to think. I'm I'm worried that like this this is going to be a a real problem for me later on. If I am I pushing this off and it sounds like you were very aware and lucid and not just in this grief stricken, um, like, like the like tunnel vision blackout, you know what I mean? Well, you know, it was for the first, I'd say a good 18 months. I was, I was in a tunnel. Wow. Yeah. I was, I, I, I just, I would, I remember I went, finally got back to work and I, at the, like the first day back at work when I was sitting behind my desk and thankfully I had an office where I can close the door. I, I peed in my pants. Like I literally, like I didn't even want to get up to go to the bathroom. Like yeah. I, I was just like so distraught. Like I'm like, am I? Why, why, why was that? Is it, be, was it because you just, it, it, like it wasn't fair that you, you, you were there and he wasn't, or was it, was it like you're, you I just didn't, didn't understand care. what your life Like I, I was yeah. like, I was just so, I was distraught, you know, yeah. I was distraught. And I was like, and I, and I was asking, you know, why me, why me? And, you know, it, while why is is a reasonable question for people to ask themselves, you know, I think it's reasonable for a season, you know, and it wasn't until I started asking myself, what, what can I do about it now that things started to change for me? And, and, and that there was a catalyst to that, you know, it was, it, there were many days that I found myself in a dark room, curled up in a ball crying on the floor, missing my son, because there's, I mean, this is like, you know, I've tried to talk to people about like what that pain felt like. How can you describe that pain? And the only way, I mean, it really is indescribable. And, you know, people even say like, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And you don't want to, like you, you don't want, and your brain won't even let you fully go there to really experience. Like you might, think, oh, yeah, man, like, you know, I know you said you had, you mentioned you've had two kids and like, you might think, wow, it gets so sad, but like, you got to stop thinking about it. Right. Like you can't really fully imagine that. Dude, <laughs> I, I started tearing up and getting emotional when I was reading the email from Lisa Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and I just, I, I just was like, it was almost like your, like the energy that, that you gave her, not gave her, but like that she felt from you gave, came through that email. And I was reading that and I was like, Oh my God. Oh man. That's wow. I, I'm not sure that I can make it through this. I mean, anybody that knows me can definitely hear my voices a lot. I'm, I'm a lot calmer because like my body's experiencing emotions, feeling your story. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a great thing to showcase to the audience, which is empathy and compassion for another human being's story. You don't have to understand what they go through. You seek to understand how they felt, how they processed it. So I just want to point that out for the audience. Like you can hear rough, challenging stories like this and not turn away from them because you're terrified that it could happen to you. You're like, life is a process. You're not in control of it. The fact is, man, nobody's making it through this life unscathed. You know, you may not, you know, you may not go through what I went through and and probably I bet you have plenty of met plenty of people listening to your, to your podcast have been through some crazy things like, right. They've been through some really painful, tough things. It doesn't mean that it's any less painful, 
you know, than what I've been sure. through. People, you know, pain is pain. Like I've, what, so I recently, I recently did a, an article. I was contacted by a reporter from the Wall Street Journal and she lost her father and she wanted to write an article about how to overcome grief, you know, and she didn't want the same trite old ways, you know, five yeah. stages and, you know, things like that. Um, so she called me and we had this conversation before that she published the article. And I could tell you, Ian, this woman loved her father. Like yeah. you could, you could feel that you could feel like this was a big loss for her, you know, to have, to have sure. lost this man. So long story short, she published the article and then, you know, I, I started, I read it and I was looking at the comments below it. And somebody, somewhere in the comments wrote, you know, losing your parent is nothing like losing your 14 year old son. And, you know, I almost wanted to like write back to that person, you know, like really <laughs> you like, can't, can't hit trolls like that, <laughs> you know, you know, because that's just not true. Like, although I like, I understand what he's saying, but her sure. pain was just as deep as mine. You know, yeah. you know, and it may be because it's not natural. You know, we expect our parents to die, right? We don't, you know, we're, we expect our children to bury us. We don't have to bury yeah. our children. Um, so, you know, in that respect, I understand, but you know, you can't, you can't compare these things. It's almost like comparing, no. like getting bitten with a bee sting. Like they both hurt, but they're just different. Yeah. <laughs> well, is it, do you, do you think it's that, that the grief of losing a parent like you're not processing what could have been you're processing what was versus the loss of a child. You're, you're also additionally processing the loss of what could have been. Like, is, is that what she might be talking about? I'm just exploring. Yeah. Just, I just think that that's, like, that, that's a really valid point because that's, you know, sure. I've definitely thought my, you know, my son was 14 and a half. So I never got to teach him how to drive and never got to see his first girlfriend, yeah. his wedding day and all those things, you know? So, you know, um, so there, there, there's definitely some, some validity in that. And I, but I think that, you know, the point that I was trying to get to earlier that I didn't quite get to was that, um, what changed it all for me was was after about a, like a year and a half. I'm, I'm bad with dates, so I don't. It, it was around a year <laughs> and a half. Um, I was in one of my moments on the floor, and I heard my son say to me in a very clear voice. I heard him say, "Get up, Dad. It's okay. I'll see you when you get here." And that moment was transitional for me because number one, that's exactly what he would say to me. Like my son's natural state was one of laughter and one of high energy. And that, that podcast that I mentioned that JLD, I would, I would listen to it when I would take him to school. His school was about a half an hour from, from where I live because his mom and I were divorced and, and he went to school where, close to where his mom lived. So we listened to him. And, I, and the, the reason why I did that is because I wanted him to hear these stories of entrepreneurs. And also sure. I wanted to send the message like, Perry, find what you love, you know, do yeah. what you love, live your life with passion and, and do what you love and the money will come. So what like, and that it was like, he was almost like mad at me and not, you know, like almost not mad, but like, all right, dad, like, you spent a year and a half on the floor crying like you did. Right. Okay. You get, it's sad. Now just get up, live your life, and I'll see you when you get here, you know? And mm -hmm. for me, it was, you know, I, I know my son would not want me 
curled up in a ball on the floor in a dark room for the rest of my life. You know, so sometimes our grief can really be part of how we choose to honor and respect the ones that we love despite their physical absence. Right. So, sure. So for me, you know, in that moment, it's not that he gave me permission to heal, but he showed me that I should give myself permission to heal that because I was, man, I was in a world of blaming myself. Like you could, why couldn't you save your own son? Why couldn't you stop it? Um, Just the, the guilt and the worthlessness and all of those negative, negative feelings, sure. you know, you get, you can get, it's so easy to get stuck there, you know? Um, But really at, at that point it became a decision, right? Because I could choose to focus on all of those things, or I can choose to focus on the fact that number one, I was blessed enough to even have a child, right? I mean, I know if I have friends and family that never, that want children that can't have them, you know? So the fact that I was blessed enough to even have a child and the amazing 14 and a half years I did get to spend with him. And the fact that I know that I will see him again. I mean, I'm Christian by faith. So, and, and, you know, I, I, my belief is that my son is in heaven and that I will be reunited with him. So, you know, that helps me too. Um, and, you know, it's like one of those things like where focus goes, energy flows, right? It's just like, sure. you know, it's, 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 it's a choice. Yes. We all have to grieve. Like you can't go like, Oh, this crazy thing happened to me. I'm just going to move on. You know, that's not possible, but, at some point, you have to make a decision. Do you want to live there or not? And, you know, just like the sun, you know, when the sun's out, right, it covers vast amounts of the earth and we can stand anywhere underneath it and feel like we're being wa- you know, wrapped in a warm blanket. But if you take a microscope and you, a uh, 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 magnifying glass, you know, yeah. you, we can use that same sun, exactly, concentrated to create fire, right? So it's, it's where the focus where I choose to put the focus, whether it's on the good things or on the bad things. So in that moment, you know, I know you were just about, I just wanted to just finish the one thing. It's like, so yeah, is that, so I started from then, you know, I I took post-it notes and I would place them in places where I can see them. And I wrote on them, I give myself permission to heal. And I put them in my bathroom, on my, my car and my refrigerator and they were just reminders to me. I called them my permission slips. Um, and they were just reminders to me that, one, my son doesn't want to see me in that state. And that I need to stop blaming myself and stop getting out of the, the negativity and start thinking, okay, sure. well, what am I going to do about it now? Did you ever feel like if you stopped grieving, like you wouldn't be honoring his memory or like you might forget about him or like, did you ever, you thought about that stuff? Well, the thing is I didn't, you never really stop grieving, you know? And that's part of what my TEDx was about was that, you know, I don't think we reached this place of acceptance and then we're like, Hey, I'm good. You know? Cause like I got there now I'm like, I never have to be sad again. Like, I mean, there's, there's days, you know, I mean, just the other day there's like, I keep forgetting the name of the movie. There's a movie with Mark Wahlberg where his son, his son is gay and he commits suicide. And then Mark, Mark Wahlberg's character goes on this walk around the country to talk about bullying and things like that. And my wife and I were sitting down watching that movie and I had tears, man, just 
streaming down my feet. And I, I mean, and I talk to my son every day. And I, I, I'll never forget him. Healing does not mean forgetting at all. Sure. You know, it's just about, you know, getting to a point where you can live your life in a way where you're not blaming yourself, you know, and thinking about, or, or just all the negativity. Because the fact is that, you know, all those negative thoughts, the denial, anger, depression, worthlessness, guilt, hopelessness, those are all selfish thoughts. Like, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. 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 It's about me, right? It's all about me, like me and my feelings. It's, you know, now I think about how can I help other people? When you start thinking about other people, that's when you start to get into gratefulness and purpose and mission and, you know, all the good stuff on the other side of acceptance. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to a, I mean, not, we're not minimizing your story. What it really comes down to is a, like a, what about me mindset versus a, what, how can this benefit others? And so that was like your BC and AD, you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was, uh, it's, it's an interesting story because like when you went into your office, were you just sitting there and going, what's any of it for? Like, wh why am I even here? What, what does it even matter? Like, and, and that's the selfish that we're talking about, right? You, you're, you're not processing like, man, how can I push this forward? How can I let my pain help others? How can I let my, my story, what happened to me, what happened to my son, how can I let this help others? In that moment, it, it really, you're right. It really was all about you. Yes. Why me? Like, I'm sad. I'm this, I'm this. And you know, what's interesting is I, I thought about this. My, my, um, my dad was hanging out with us for the week here in LA. My mom was still back at home. And like, I was, I was just like, last night we were hanging out watching Axe Men for like four hours until like <laughs> 1am, which I never stay up that late. I just, I was just like, for, for some reason, I just said to myself, like, look, man, you know, you can go to bed anytime. Like, you can't have these late nights forever. You know, there, there will be a season that ends here. And, and I started thinking about it again, like really sad. Mm. And, um, and then I thought, but you know what, what's interesting is instead of thinking about what I may feel like in, in a lost situation, if, if that's the way the universe, you know, takes it, like, why don't I, why don't I actually take action and continue like with, with my dad and I on the microphone, on the podcast, sharing the story, yes. because then, then like, I'm not telling the story of how great my dad was. I've, or I've shared the story with how incredible my dad has been in my life and how influential he's been and how like, you know, he's helped guide me and I'm 40 years old. And, and, and even this weekend, like, I feel like a, I feel like a, like a 19 year old kid going, what, what do you think about this? Yeah. Well, let me run something by you, dad. Yeah, you know, yeah. like there's not many, there's not many 40 year old guys with families in their own life that would, that would call their dad and say, Hey, I, I want your advice on something. I'm buying a car. What do you think about this? And I'm a car guy. I, I don't need his advice. I just really value yeah, it to weigh with my own. And the cool thing is he doesn't care if I make a decision based on what he said. He just. I think he appreciates the fact that we're just, we're just so we're communicating. So I was thinking about that last night. It's not about what I will feel. It's about how we can communicate what that relationship is like and, and how it helped me to help others and to help 
like he motivated me to build this business, yes. this coaching business. And like, yes. when I called him and said, Hey, I'm buying a podcast. He was like, I think that's cool, man. You like to talk, you know, I think yeah. you're gonna, I think you're super curious. I think that's going to be great for you. So I, I really like the way you articulated that. And I, and I think it's going to hit some people hard that, that those feelings are mostly selfish. However, I really like the other line you said right before that, which was healing doesn't mean forgetting. That's it right. means, it means knowing that you matter and you got to step up and like create a legacy for this person yes. that wasn't able to create a legacy on their yes. own, which it makes perfect sense. Not in that guilt ridden, painful state. Totally, totally clear. That, right. Totally. Totally clear. I mean, there's, so, yep. sorry, go ahead. No, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's all good. I just, I, I want to go back real quick to your, you know, you're sitting in the office and you're like, it doesn't even matter. Like, I don't even care. I'm going to piss my pants. Like, it doesn't even matter right now. Yeah. And that, that sense of despair and that sense of like, just emptiness, like at that point, what are you, I mean, it, logically, let's, let's say logically, are you starting to question your whole life and your choices or yeah. your future or like all of it? What, what are you doing I at did. that point? Yeah. Up, in, up yeah. until like I heard my son say what he said, I questioned everything. Like, and, and, and the fact is like, I could have done anything, right? Like I could have jumped off a bridge. I could have gotten addicted to drugs. I could have went and hurt some people that I thought maybe whatever. I mean, I could have done anything. I think people would have been like, wow, sure. man, you can understand. Look what happened to him. Right. Like he went through all this. Right? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I could have, it would have been like somewhat okay. Right. So, um, so to speak. So yeah, I was not like, you know, I'm like, I've come to a place of resilience. In fact, you know, I've got the word resilience tattooed on my wrist right now. And that was recently. Yeah, I was going to ask you what that is. <laughs> yeah, just because yeah. that's just as a reminder is because, I, you know, um, but really, you know, it was after once it was when I stopped, like I said earlier, when I stopped asking myself, why me and what can I do about it now? And I realized, that, you know, recognize that, that, that there that every obstacle is an opportunity to practice some virtue, right? Whether it be patience or courage, humility, resilience, justice, creativity, whatever it might be. Like, you just have to be willing to look for it. I mean, because my story isn't special, so to speak. I mean, there are countless stories of men and women who faced unimaginable horrors from the death of a loved one to wrongful imprisonment to debilitating illness and worse, yet who've managed to rise from the ashes to greatness, right? I mean, like sure. like diamonds, they were transformed by that immense amount of pressure. These are individuals that have found a way to turn weakness into strength. They took what would have destroyed most of us and used it to propel them into greatness. And sure. any one of us can do that. Well, let me ask you something on that. I'm reading this really cool book called, um, hold on, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, many lives, many masters, really cool book. Um, and it, like, what is the difference in your opinion between moving forward to serve the world where it's genuine and authentic or moving forward into something, you know, maybe sharing the story or, you know, becoming like these powerhouse, whatever business owners or charity philanthropists or whatever. And like, what's the difference between the, the like true authentic, like this tragedy helped me get on my path versus I found this path because it helped me avoid the pain. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference there. Have you ever thought about that? 
Um, that's present yes, in everybody's life, by the way. Yes. The thing is, I can tell you that that the only, not the only thing, the biggest contributing factor to my getting up off the floor was the fact that I, I find I decided I am not going to run from it. I'm not going to hide from the pain. So. Uh, the path that I'm on now is definitely not from me hiding from my pain. It's it, it really comes from me facing that pain. It, it was it was me from because you you can't run from grief. It, it's it's going to catch up to you. You can't outrun it. You can't outflank it. Uh, I often use an analogy. It's like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. I mean, you can do it. It takes a little bit of work, right, to hold it underwater. You could do it, yeah. but at some point, it's going to find its way to the surface. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable, exactly. Yeah. And it was only yeah. in the in the facing it, you know, and the, the facing it, I mean, by acknowledging this is what happened. My son is not coming sure. home, you know, and you know, not being worried about sharing stories or looking at his photo or talk. so. In doing that, that's where my healing came. It wasn't from the mm. hiding it and the pushing it down because that's what I had been doing. Because I was, I was honestly worried, you know, about what people would think of me. I was afraid about like when it first happened, like being completely out of control in public. Right. Like I, I didn't even, I remember asking myself, like when I first started walking around, I'm like, what is a man who lost his son at sea supposed to look like? Like, hmm, interesting. Like, what am I, should I walk around? Like, like, you know, like sad. And, like, and I was, but it's like, then, it, you know, it's like, I, I just had so many questions, right? Like I, I like, I, I was concerned about what other people thought really at first and, and just get just losing, just losing control completely. Um, and, until I, until I finally decided to just to face it, you know, there's a, you know, like I said earlier, there's, there's a, um, you know, that, um, we're not going to make it out of this life unscathed, right? Like there's yeah, there, there, yeah. the fact is something, something is going to happen is we're all going to experience some sort of storm. The only choice yeah. we really have, oh, multiples, many, many storms, right? And and what the only choice we truly have is how we're going to respond to that storm. And one of my mentors actually helped me understand this by sharing an interesting story about where he grew up near the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Um, can I share this story? Please. So, Colorado is one of the only places in the world where both buffaloes and cows can coexist. And there's a fantastic lesson that can be learned by how each of these creatures responds to storms. So when the storms come over the Rockies, they almost always brew from the West and roll towards the East. Yeah. And both the animals can sense the storm coming, but cows, when they sense the storm coming, they begin to run East, a wit to try to run away from the storm. And the only problem is, is that if you know anything about cows, you know that they're not very fast. So the storm catches up to them rather quickly. And without knowing any better, the cows continue to try and outrun the storm. But instead of outrunning it, they run with it, ultimately right. maximizing the amount of time, pain, and frustration that they experience from the storm. And it's been my experience that as humans, we do the same thing, right? We spend so much of our lives trying to avoid the inevitable trials and tragedies and trauma and transitions that come along with difficult circumstances. But buffaloes are 
do something completely different that's quite unique to the whole animal kingdom. Buffaloes actually wait for the storm to cross over the crest of the mountain. And as the storm rolls over the ridge, they turn, they charge directly into the storm. They run at the storm. And by running at the storm, they run right through it, minimizing the amount of time, pain, and frustration they experience from that storm. But notice that it's the same storm, right? And I just think that it's just a really great metaphor for all of us, because although we're in different places in life, we all have storms. Yeah. Yeah. You think you found yourself through tragedy? I definitely... Like who you really were supposed to be, what you're supposed to do? Like, did that... Did that tragedy actually align you with your purpose? I believe so. I am definitely, I believe so. You know, I'm still on that journey right now. Kind of what we were kind of early talking about as before we hopped, actually started recording is that, you know, right now I've been working one-on-one mostly with men, trying to help them through the grief process. Because as guys, you know, especially men who've lost children, because what happens is that as a society, when a family loses a child, we flock around the mother. And, and, and that makes perfect sense why that would happen. Like it's just, sure. and, and, and fathers generally want to, and the husbands want to be the rock and support, you know, their wife and their family and still be there for them. And they don't really have this chance to actually let it out or they don't know how to. We, we just don't, as men, we're just not good at, at going through something like that, at grieving and showing it. Um, and so, and then I did a TED talk on on this whole thing. And like I was mentioning to you earlier, like lately, so many people have been asking me, like, how did you do that? TED, like, what did you do? What steps did you take? You know, and I've been helping people like try to write their stories, but it's only been people that have been through something like that. Sure. It's a lot of these people that, that have been through some sort of traumatic event. They've learned something from it. And now they want to share that knowledge with the world, you know, yeah. and, and, I feel like both these two things I feel are like really truly like where my, my calling is, is, you know, working with people through their trauma, but, but not so much like if something just happened to you yesterday, call Phil. Cause I, you know, I don't, I don't have a PhD in psychology, you know, (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, but I I do have one in experience, but not, you know, I was going to say, (laughs) is an experience worth more than the paper? Yeah. Like that. I'll tell you what I did. I did go to therapy. I, I, because that was one of the things that I was like, I should, I should probably go see somebody like, I don't know what I don't know, you know, and how our brain processes these types of things. And I learned a lot about that. And I did EMDR therapy, which I highly recommend to anybody that's been through some sort of trauma. Um, You know, but, but it was, you know, these are people that, 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 although, you know, therapists, the majority of them are great, you know, while therapy was very helpful, you know, a lot of them, you know, they've learned from books, like they didn't really go through it and go through it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They can't tell you, they can't tell you from an experience. They can tell you from a textbook. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And people ask me all the time, you know, we do a lot of like trauma clearing and, and past, you know, past programming stuff and conditioning stuff from childhood. And people say to me, like, do you think I should go to a shrink or do you think I should hire a coach? And they'll say, well, I think you should hire the person that's actually been through some shit who can actually show you the steps that they use to work through it. That's it. Most coaches got a piece of paper from some weekend course, or they just hung up a shingle someday because they were tired of their job. Most therapists, they're therapists because they want to be able to tell you, but not being able to go, not have to go through it. I don't know. I, I think there's this 
maybe 10% model for every profession where you have the people that are like, I'm in this thing and I am meant to be here. The other one is like maybe mom and dad pushed you into it, that kind of thing. Or, you know, it's like a lot of doctors, lawyers, totally. accountants, therapists, yeah. mom and dad wanted me to do this. I hate my life, but I make a million yeah. dollars a year. So, you know, so that that's, that's tough. And, and, and interestingly, interestingly enough, the universe, God, whatever audience, whatever you believe in, like whatever higher power your, your, your understanding is out there. Actually, I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that you're, you're a, you're a Christian guy? Like, do you believe that that was in the cards and it was not an accident. It was a. It was something that was designed to happen in your life to help you. Or what do you what do you believe about the situation? I mean, it doesn't have no meaning. You know, it doesn't yeah. have nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I'll. Um, so, as a Christian, and this is this may sound really crazy to your audience, but I'm on this. I'm on this path, or I'm just like, I'm just sharing it all I, and seeing what the world brings me. You know. Sure. As a Christian, and so for, so when I first became Christian, I started telling my friends things like about what I'm learning in the Bible. And they were like, "That's great, Phil. Like, but you really believe people live to be 800 years old? You really believe someone lived in the belly of a whale for three days? Like, like you believe that?" And and I hated the fact that I couldn't answer that with any type of certainty or any type of real knowledge you know is all oh, just fluff like this is what i feel right so that got me studying apologetics and, and and learning like what i learned about the bible and about god I, let me just say that the the bible is just way more than just a book there if you take the time to actually try to disprove it like do do your homework like don't just you know, and you'll find find out things that will blow your mind, not just at the surface level, like even go into like right. the original language and what this all means. And you will find things you'll be like, oh, my gosh, like I didn't even know it. And one thing led to the next. So by the time that this had happened with my son, I already knew in my heart that there is a God and his his word is the Bible. So in the Bible, it told me, it tells us to to be thankful in all things. Right to be, you know, regardless of what happens to you, that there is a plan. So on, on like the fifth day or so, when I was pretty sure that I was never going to see my son again, I, I remember going into a back room. I lied down on the floor, face down, started praying. And I said, okay, God, thank you. Like, I don't even know why I'm saying thank you right now. Yeah. It seems so crazy. Yeah. Even like I have people maybe in your audience right now are listening to me like, what? You think thanking? It's not like that. I yeah. It, yeah. So, I, you, I believe that, that you will somehow make this great. I may not know during this life why this happened, sure. Um, sure. but uh, I believe that there is a reason. And then now I'm on a path for God to use this story through me to ultimately glorify him. And that's the path yeah. that I'm on right now. Yeah. I think that's super cool, man. I mean, like I, I'm not known as a religious guy. Yeah. Um, I can tell you when, obviously within context, it wasn't a tragedy compared to your, your tragedy. However, it was a tragedy for me. Everybody, ha everybody has different um, uh, things that happen in their life and, and like storms you were talking about and the way they re that they respond is, is, 
is what what happens next and you know like that that's then there's an outcome from that and there's a result from that and then there's a, a trajectory and a momentum from that and i had a business partner that was just pill popper very greedy um should have never gotten into business with him the audience knows this story and the first thing i thought of was i i i, th I think i need like a higher power here like I know this happened for a reason. This is very scary. I'm not sure what to do. My wife's pregnant at the time. I have a you know three-year-old daughter. I'm not sure what to do here. Um, I'm going to kind of like let go and just see where it takes me. And one morning I like got woken up by my wife who said like, Hey, we need to go to nativity now. And I woke up, got dressed and I walked downstairs and she's still in her pajamas. And I was like, what are you doing? Let's go. Mm. And she was like, go where? And I was like, <laughs> nativity, yeah. the church down the street. And she was like, we're not going to nativity this morning. Mm. And I said, why'd you wake me up and make me get up? Like I was sleeping. I was, I'm depressed. Like I'm, I feel like a failure in business. I feel like I can't, I can't believe that this hundreds and you know, almost a million dollars is stolen from us. And I'm, I feel like such a loser. Why would you wake me up? She was like, I didn't wake you up. And I got this really eerie feeling mm. over me. And I went, you didn't wake me up. She was like, no, I didn't. And I said, I, I got to go. She's like, it looks like you need to go. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and, I, and I went and I went and the conversation we had the day before was, she goes, this is the universe's way of telling you, you need to change positions in life. Mm -hmm. You need to shift what you focus on, what your energy goes to. Like I was a real estate agent, very successful at it. And I had a coaching business as well, doing personal development and business coaching for real estate agents. And, um, and I loved that. And I didn't love real estate. Mm. And so we had that. And then I, I get to the church and I'm like, you know, lost and thinking, man, there, there's, there's no way they're going to let me in here. And they just were like, you new here? Come on in. Yeah. And I sat and the, 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 whatever you call it, the mass, um, like the, the message was, was like speaking directly to me. And I started bawling my mm. eyes out. And at the end of it, they were like, our prayer team will be around for anybody that wants to sit and just be yeah. in the space. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you right now, it wasn't about being in a church for me. It wasn't about um, the, the word of God. It wasn't about, it was about an environment for me where healing was taking place, where positive affirmations were taking place, where people surrounded me and were like, whatever you're going through, we're here with you right now. And I, I felt that support. And then I like, got done pouring an ocean of tears on the ground mm. and just calling myself names, beating myself up. And I walked out and I thought, all right, I, I need to give back. They just helped me. I got to get back. So I walked up to this little thing called the next steps kiosk and, and I'll never, I'll never, ever, ever forget them for this. And the lady looks at me and she said, she says, uh, how can we help? And I said, I think you just did. She goes, then how can you help us? And I said, I'm not really sure. And she said, well, what is your talent? what are you great at? And mm. I said, I think it's leadership. I don't know if I'm a great leader or not. I think it's leadership. And she points up on the wall and there's, there's Proverbs 27, 17 that says every man iron sharpens iron yes. so that every man helps another man. And I looked at that and I started crying again. Mm. She's like, are you okay? And I said, I, I think you just helped me more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Like, and then, and then like, it just came to me and I said, I went to the director and I said, Hey, uh, I want to lead a men's group here. I, I want to start, I want to start giving back. And then that's how mental purpose was born. I love that. People think like, Oh, I was just in, in real estate podcasting. And then I went to mental purpose. 
I actually was in a men's group and starting to train to run this very large men's group at this amazing, I'm talking amazing church uh, in Timonium, Maryland called Nativity. And then the pandemic hit and it everything changed. And once the pandemic hit, I bought the men on purpose name and I went that way. And it came from me seeing that Proverbs 27, 17. Yes. I literally, no joke, I no joke. That. Like, so Man, it came from like, you ultimately that? hearing that message to go to nativity that day. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. It, it came from, it came from like slowing down for a second, just to hear other things that may be happening inside your brain and body and not being so focused on me. Right. And it's all, it was all my fault. I'm such an asshole. Look at my pregnant wife. Yes. She, oh my God, I feel so bad. Right. It was all about me. Yes. Even in my blame, it was about me. And for a second, I think, I think like during sleep or something, I stopped beating myself up and this, this like thing came to me. And I, and I think some people who know me as not a very religious guy at all mm -hmm. will be like, Oh, that sounds crazy for you. That is my actual story. I, I, I there is no explanation. Like I woke up like a, like this, yeah. like looking around. And, and so I, listen, there are signs everywhere yeah. to, to, to get you onto your path. And tragedy and storms are going to happen. And it's the way that you deal with them and the way you shift through them and process them that's going to help you really align with that path. That's exactly and it. It's just so cool to hear your story, man. And like, I could never imagine going through that. Like that, that is, that is, I feel like I, I feel like just hearing you, I'm like, how did you not kill yourself? Like, how did you not want to die? And I don't mean that in, in, in to like disparage anybody that has dealt with that in their family. I'm just. I'm just like in, in, in understanding your, your pain at that time, I'm thinking like, how did you even live through that? Yeah. yeah. For, 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 for that 18 months, like how did you even live through that? That's so amazing. And, and, and it's because there was a higher power guiding you yes. to a higher purpose. That's right. That's what it was. That's absolutely right. And that's exactly yep. like you said earlier. And the, 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 those types of things were the story with you heard this, this voice told you to go to nativity. You went to nativity that led you to met to the to, to start a men's group, which now led you to the path that you're on now. And you know, and and now I'm following. I literally quit my job, my VP of sales for a global technology company, about a year ago, to pursue this message that God has in me. To and I still don't have it clear. Like I don't have, like I said, I'm not selling anything right now. Like I'm not going to be like, sure. go to my website and buy this, anything. <laughs> I, I just know that God has me on a specific path. And even biblically, you know, there's so many stories where the Bible in the Bible will say, God will tell somebody, just go stand on this corner. And when you get there, I'll tell you what to do next. You know, and I'm just, sure. I'm just listening right now. I'm just listening and being in tune with what I'm being told to do. And I know that's going to lead me to my ultimate purpose. That's going to take this thing, horrible incident that the enemy meant for evil and turn it mm -hmm. for good to where I can actually glorify God through this horrible accident that happened. Yeah, man. Yeah. What you're talking about is surrender. Definitely. Like you're talking about surrender and letting go and just, and like in, in, in it, it, the like it's it's the um it's the real meaning of that uh jesus take the wheel song like and by the way audience i'm not i'm not i'm not being religious here i'm not i'm not i'm not doing i'm just saying it's that is what she's talking about is surrender like i okay i i i'm i'm gonna take my hands off the wheel and i've just got to trust that's the lesson that's another lesson for the audience in this episode is look 
you cannot control your whole life. It is not in your control. It is a process that was probably, and I'm saying probably because I'm studying it now, it was probably predetermined for you. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do is to learn to let go of control and just go with the flow of the process and be, put your power in that. That's, that's what the surrender experiment and the untethered soul are about is applying your power on the path, not trying to change the path. So, dude, I, 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 am, I am 100% behind you on your mission. I think it aligns with our mission and, and I'm, we're going to take this conversation offline and we're going to figure out how we can support you and, and you getting into this, 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 this like slotting into this track and, and maybe there's something that we can do for the world together. You know, I, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. No, this has been great. I really, I really appreciate your vulnerability and your openness and honesty about like, dude, I'm still emotional. Like I, I, I've been fighting emotions literally for the last hour and six minutes. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not fighting emotions. I'm emotions. I am, I'm containing emotions. I'm not fighting them. I'm containing them because like, I'm just registering with your story. And, and like, and it's, it's so scary for me to just think about that, what you went through. And I, and I'm just empathizing with the, with the path that you've been on. And now I'm really excited to have met you because I think our paths are designed to align and, and there's a way that we're going to be able to serve people of the world together. Amen. So, yeah. Thanks for being <laughs> here, man. No, thank you for having me and I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. There's uh, I mean, give, give people somewhere where they can find you social media. If they want to reach out or DM you or something. Where, yeah. Where you get yeah. Something? yeah. Like I said, right now, um, I do do some work one-on-one, uh, you know, mostly with men who are grieving them. I have a website. It's at Phil, P-H-I-L-C-O-H-E-N.com. Um, um, they can reach me there. Or if anybody out there is actually thinking about wanting to give a Ted talk and they're not sure how to go about doing that process, uh, check out my TED talk on YouTube. It's called transforming grief, just my name. And if you just type in Phil Cohen and grief, that was a talk that I gave on a TEDx stage. And since that moment, a lot of people ask me, how'd you do that? And I've been showing people how to do that. I'd be happy to walk you through that process as well. Or on LinkedIn, you can find me there as well. So yeah, those three places. Yeah. At Phil Cohen on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I think it's Phil Cohen one, but if you just type in my name and grief, like you'll find it, find me. Got yeah. it. All right, my friend, this has been an absolute pleasure. I have a, I got a ton of notes for the audience to look at in the show notes. And, um, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm glad that this aligned. I'm really glad this aligned. Me too. Ian. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Audience. I, I really suggest you go, um, just seek fill out. Just, just do that. I, I love your energy, man. I, I'm really feeling you. Like it just, yeah, go, go seek Phil out, get, get on board with his, with his mission, see how you can help. And if you've gone through some, some tough stuff in your life, I mean, maybe you're meant to hear this because Phil's meant to, to help you through it or to give you some pointers or some tips or something, or, or maybe you want to inspire the world through a TEDx talk like he can, like he did, and he can show you that too. So I'm going to plug stuff for you. Thank you. This, yeah, I appreciate this that. This is a cooperation <laughs> place, not a competition place. So this is, it's all about cooperation. So, um, Phil, thanks for being here. Um, audience, I, I, I know you enjoyed it. Feel free to reach out with your comments, questions for Phil, concerns, challenges, all that stuff. And, yeah. uh, and we'll catch you on the next one.